Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So much to do today. Former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm on the show before we're done. We'll talk to Jake about a thrilling performance for him during the preseason and what I really thought was kind of a raw deal on the part of the Washington Commanders not putting Jake on the active roster. Jake pretty candid about that here coming up in a moment. So we'll have a good time talking about that with him and he'll also do his part to help us preview the start of Georgia's season and the debut for Carson Beck tomorrow as the Georgia starting quarterback. Really good stuff from Jake Fromm in a couple of minutes time. Jeff Sintel, of course, on UGA recruiting we will do that there as well and in just a few minutes I'm going to make one of the most fun announcements I've ever had the privilege of making here on this show about an event we're doing unlike anything we've ever done in the past we'll tell you about that here coming up in just a moment also when Florida does what it did last night that essentially counts as a four alarm fire on a show like this that kind of counts itself as the uh, number one place for gator haters to get together and the ultimate belief that a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. Our buddy Eddie uh, kind of helps us spread the good word and the good news about that, the official mascot of Dog Nation Daily. So in a few minutes, we are all over the embarrassment from Florida last night at the hands of uh, Utah and the fact that we kind of nailed that one pretty pretty well. So we'll do some of that here in just a minute. We'll do a lot of that here in a minute. And some of y'all have had some outstanding Golden Shoe submissions on that topic as well. So, so much as it relates to all of that. But first... But first, Georgia itself has a game tomorrow against Tennessee Martin. I think the wrestling match uh, that we've been having, and by the way, a great time last night, Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven, a lot of the folks who were on hand for that, great crowd, great spirited group of dog fans. The conversation there also kind of centered the same way. Well, exactly what will we see from Georgia there on Saturday? And in the attempt to kind of make our proper predictions about that or kind of get our mind right in terms of the expectation for this game against a Tennessee Martin team that's well off the radar for Georgia. Kirby Smart this week, I thought, said something pretty surprising. Now, I think we can probably figure out why it is that he said this, but it is surprising nonetheless. If you, and we've been doing this now for months, we do Dog Nation Daily after all every day, as we've been kind of doing our long build-up to the start of the season and what you expect to see and what your strengths are, what your potential weaknesses might be, One of the things I think we've kind of gravitated to over and over is on paper to begin this season, Georgia seemingly has never had more top end wide receiver depth than it appears to have right now. That not to say it's been a weakness for Georgia because the overall production level has been high, but in terms of the other position groups to compare during the Kirby Smart era and perhaps during this national championship era that Georgia's existed in the last couple of years and continues on here right now. This group has at times kind of lagged behind the others, it would sort of seem, but it also sort of seems that in 2023, that just may no longer be true, that Georgia not only got good news when a guy like Ladd McConkey decided to come back, Marcus Rosemey Jackson decides to come back, uh, Arian Smith now getting healthier, Brock Bowers for all intents and purposes kind of also counts as a wide receiver there as well, but when you also go out to the transfer portal and bring in one of the leading receivers in the SEC last year and Dominic Lovett from Missouri, Mississippi State's leading receiver last year Ra Ra Thomas, he's also playing and expected to contribute for Georgia here this year. Most of us have been of the belief that, my gosh, Georgia's never had seemingly more returning production, seemingly more overall depth in the wide receiver room than it has right now. But when Kirby Smart had a chance to talk about that this week, 
It sounds like he's singing a little bit different song here right now. What we see is a great strength. Kirby Smart actually sees as a little bit of a concern. I was surprised to hear this from Kirby, even though the logic probably makes sense when you think about it. This is Kirby talking about his own wide receivers in a little bit different way than some of us perhaps might. Take a listen to this. I don't know. I, th- I feel like we're thin at wide out. Everybody keeps talking about this wide receiver core. I'm like, we are thin. Um, we just don't have enough uh, depth there. We don't have enough guys in our two deep to finish practice. And, um, and so it makes it tough. Uh, we got guys dinged up, uh, guys injured. So it makes it a little bit harder. But um, I-, I don't know that you have a rotation. I mean, uh, the year LSU won the national championship, I think 95% of the snaps were three receivers. And there were three really good receivers. Uh, so, you know, you play the players that give you a chance to play. We have a, a bar and we say this is winning football above it and this is losing football below it. And if you can play winning football, then we're going to give you opportunities and chances to play based on what you have shown us. And uh, we got some guys that can play winning football. We've probably got six or seven. We've probably got three or four that are right on the line that, that aren't playing winning football yet that we're going to try to get ready. So um, that's the hope. So at first blush, what Kirby Smart says there may come across as a little bit dire. You know, it's like, oh, is it that bad? And yet I, I think that when you kind of broaden out and look at the full picture, I think you realize, oh, there's perhaps a reason that Smart was saying what he was saying. And the overall evaluation might actually be a little bit more favorable for UGA than Smart is suggesting right there. In fact, yesterday when the great former Georgia wide receiver, the only 1,000-yard receiver in the history of this program, Terrence Edwards, when he was on our show, um, I had a chance to ask him about that. What did you think of Kirby saying this wide receiver situation right now for Georgia is not as deep as he would like for it to be? Well, Terrence gave us a little bit more of an optimistic appraisal of that situation and perhaps an explanation of why Smart said what he said. I think Terrence's words matter from yesterday's show. Let me give you a reminder of what was said. I think we're good five deep, six deep that can go out and, and make plays. Uh, I mean, Brock is considered in the passing game. I mean, I, I know Ladd has been banged up a little bit. You still got Ra-Ra. You still got Dummy. You still got Marcus. You still got one of my favorites, Dylan Bell. Uh, you still got Arian Smith. So you still got some guys out there. I don't know their injury history. If he's talking about they've been injured, I don't know, but – we got guys that made plays at the end of the season. Uh, Aaron Smith was a big factor and big reason why we won the Ohio State game. Dylan Bell came in and made some plays. We all know what Ladd brings to the table. We all definitely know what Marcus brings to the table. Uh, Dominique has played a lot of football, and we're very excited about him. Uh, at Mississippi State last year, Rara Thomas was their leading receiver. So uh, I think he might want to temper the expectations. Maybe that's why he said it, but I love the group and I love how deep we are. So Terrence brings up a couple of pretty good points right there. Thing number one, hey, some of this may be from Kirby's perspective related to some of the injury stuff that's perhaps going on here right now. And Terrence also brings up the notion of maybe some of this is just the traditional temptation of a coach to temper some expectations about what's going to take place. Or I would say there's also a chance based on the actual words that Kirby Smart uses this may be a direct challenge. Some of those guys, perhaps, as Terrence said, outside the top five, top six in the overall rotation of 
would you like to put yourself in a position to play more would you like to put yourself in a position to be able to help us because right now I don't see Kirby would say winning football being played by everybody in this group so if you want to be a part of the story as opposed to someone who's watching other people go out and tell their own story then improve your level of play during practice improve your level of focus overall and you have a chance to be that so from that standpoint I think we understand the way in which sometimes Kirby Smart uses media availability as a way of speaking past the media even speaking past the fans and then speaking directly to his team that might be an example of him doing that now the ironic thing is is that Kirby compares Georgia right there to one of the all-time great teams in college football 2019 LSU and while players I believe like the idea of big rotation everybody gets in everybody gets touches players kind of like that it kind of keeps team chemistry happy to have everybody involved the honest truth is if we sat down 100 you know really good Georgia fans who follow this pretty closely who who I think you know take time to kind of craft their opinions I think there's a good number of Georgia fans perhaps even the majority that would be like I wouldn't mind Georgia being a little bit more like LSU was back in 2019. Now, obviously, the production, you'd love to be able to match that, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, hey, find a few receivers who do stand head and shoulders above the rest and just feed them over and over and over again. Kirby's right. In 2019, LSU didn't sub very much at receiver. They had, what, Jefferson and Chase and those guys, and they just kept feeding them over and over and over again from their perspective that top handful of wide receivers were just far better than what was going on you know behind them in the depth chart so they stayed on the field they all had big, big production there's an element of which I think sometimes Georgia fans see a guy like Brock Bowers and say hey just keep feeding him keep feeding him over and over again don't stop until it stops working in the case of a guy like Brock it's not likely to stop working they perhaps would say the same thing about Ladd McConkey perhaps say the same thing about Dominic Lovett so maybe this is Kirby's version of foreshadowing to say this year we got a handful of receivers who when they're fully healthy when they're fully available they have a chance to put up bigger numbers than we've seen so perhaps we're not going to rotate nearly as much we're just going to play these guys and we're going to feed them and we're going to see a productive passing attack that takes place without quite as much rotation as we've had in the past perhaps that's the case or perhaps this is one more kind of opportunity to remind some of the newcomers some of the guys who are trying to work their way up the depth chart of get out there and fight get out there and scratch and claw and try to find your place because we're obviously out here trying to evaluate who's ready to as Kirby Smart says to play winning football now as far as the context of what this means for Georgia one day ahead of the start of the upcoming season here's what it comes down to for me and I'm not trying to be a wet blanket here I, I, I certainly don't want to come across that way but you know Georgia's not playing TCU for the national championship tomorrow if they were perhaps they might win 65 to 7 you know given uh the the very different vibe around this game I don't quite know that 65 to 7 is in the offering I just don't quite know that Georgia wants to put the pedal to the metal quite like that especially given the fact that it may not want to reveal too much of what Dominic Lovett potentially provides they may conceal that much the same way I believe they did during G-Day there's no reason to kind of push uh, Brock Bowers beyond the brink at all maybe you don't see a ton of him you're a little bit banged up at running back right now maybe they keep those guys somewhat protected there as well so as I've told you a couple of times here this week what I'm watching for are two simple things I am looking to see for Carson Beck who gets a chance to show his command of the offense the best way for him to perhaps demonstrate that command how well do you spread it around Kirby Smart just told you I'm not quite so sure how deep we are at receiver well Carson in terms of how many guys he gets touches for how many guys he provides an opportunity to get involved in that stat sheet gives you an idea a of just how deep Georgia 
possibly could be and how well in control of the offense Carson is here right now and to repeat myself again on the thing that probably matters for me most you're playing an overmatched opponent uh there's very little to be learned from that but for a team in Georgia last year that led the nation 98 plays of 20 or more yards that's kind of my definition of an explosive Georgia's overall definition is a little different but to me simply put a 20 yard play is an explosive play Georgia had 98 of those a year ago can you get yourself seven or eight of those on Saturday? If you can, you're on pace to potentially match that number uh, once again here this year. Those are the two things that I'm looking for in a day in which I don't think we see much of Kendall Milton. I don't think we see much of Dejon Edwards. And guys like Ladd McConkey and Brock Bowers probably aren't going to be showcased a whole lot either. Um, Dominic Lovett, maybe he's right there too. What I do believe you will see is Carson Beck giving the keys to the car and let's see what he does when he drives it. Can he get a lot of guys involved? Can he get a lot of touches for a lot of people? Can he spread the ball around? And can Georgia demonstrate some explosive plays? Seven or eight of those? I think that's as much of an indication as you can possibly get that this Georgia offense could be on the way to being exactly where it needs to be by the time you get to the end of the season. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger. We are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, first and 15, 945, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that across all video platforms, radio with our friends on 960 The Ref, podcast wherever you find them. Just happy to have you with us for the show. And a big thanks for our friends at Kroger who make it all possible for there for you there as well because when you're getting ready for game day big watch party at your house or tailgate party whatever else all those game day essentials you need getting all of that is so much easier when you take advantage of the brand new membership opportunity from kroger called kroger boost because when you get uh kroger boost you get a chance to get all your game day prep done while also getting free delivery as a part of the boost membership twice the fuel points that puts more money back in your pocket so you can save time save money have more of the time and more of the money to enjoy the football season that we're all excited to have back kroger's got you covered on all that so please go to kroger.com slash boost for more on that it's kroger.com slash boost and you can learn more about the kroger boost membership opportunity so we're jam-packed on the show today it's jake from later on really good conversation with jake i did record this yesterday afternoon uh that's really good jeff's intel on uga recruiting here in a moment a lot of look at the other games of note for week one we're going to cover all of that uh, we're going to make fun of Florida in a huge way here coming up in just a moment. But prior to that, y'all, I'm really proud of this. This is one of those things that a lot of folks behind the scenes have worked really hard on. It's come together. And it's really important for me at Dog Nation. You know, we need to be doing things we've never done before. We need to be doing things that others can't do. And this is just an example of one of those things that I think uh, we do really well. Pushing the envelope on really fun opportunities to connect and get dog fans together and make the most of an experience. And I am so proud to tell you that coming up later on this year, we're going to do a first-time, first-of-its-kind event. How about Dog Nation Invasion on the Tennessee River? This is going to be amazing. The day of the Georgia-Tennessee game, there is going to be a Dog Nation Invasion tailgate that takes place on a boat sailing down the Tennessee River on its way to Neyland Stadium. This is going to be an amazing experience for dog fans. These Tennessee fans are going to hate it. They are going to hate it 
when they see all those dog fans. I'm talking about hundreds of dog fans on board this wonderful vessel rolling down the Tennessee River. We're going to be navigating around the goalpost that they threw in their own river a year ago. We're going to we're going to avoid that. I'm going to be on the front like George Washington crossing the Delaware River uh, back during the American Revolution, and we are just going to absolutely take over Knoxville and their cherished Tennessee River. That is going to be painted red and black on November 18. Now we're obviously still waiting on like game time information things like that. The duration of the event on the boat is going to be 3 hours. You know, there are some kind of logistical things to to be aware of and you can go to dognation.com you can find out more details about this and as you book your tickets you can kind of learn about this. You know, you're going to have to take care of like your this is obviously not tickets to the game and and you'll take care of your own parking. Uh this is this is basically the the tailgate event itself. So some of those logistics we'll kind of work through. This is more just sort of letting you know this big event is going to be going down on the day of the Georgia Tennessee game, a 3-hour tailgate on board a wonderful boat sailing down the Tennessee River. I've dreamed of doing this for the entire time that I've known about SEC football, having a great experience with other Georgia fans, you know, on um because listen, you, you can say what you want to about the Vols, but the Tennessee River is pretty. So being on the Tennessee River, sailing down the water, heading towards Neyland Stadium, just having an unbelievable tailgate experience. So that opportunity exists for you right now. Now, we've already told our Dog Nation cruisers about this. They got the first heads up. Our folks last night, the Marlowe's in Brookhaven, what a time that was, by the way, the Marlowe's in Brookhaven, they got the uh, second heads up. So there are a few people who've had a little bit of a head start on this. There's obviously only so much space on the boat. This isn't an artificial thing. This is real that we can only put so many people on the boat because the boat will sink um, if we have too many people on it. So space is limited and some folks have gotten a little bit of a head start on you. So go to dognation.com to find out more about this right away. We want you on board. It is going to be an experience unlike anything we've ever done at Dog Nation before. Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River. What a thing that's going to be. Uh, Go to dognation.com and you can secure your spot today. Space is limited and those tickets are on sale right now so find out more about that all right before we get jeff's intel let's go around the doghouse here today poured by the finished long drink and this is one of those moments in which i kind of want to pour myself a finished long drink let's just laugh at these lousy stinking gators now i'm going to withstand the temptation uh to be too prideful about this because i sort of feel like we called this one if i'm going to be completely honest on two fronts a we've been telling you for days that if this game was not the season opener, we would not have gotten breathless minute-by-minute updates on Cam Rising status. Rising's a good player, the Utah quarterback. He's a good player, but this is not one of the top five quarterbacks in college football. This is not the kind of guy that ought to be moving a point spread by a touchdown or more based on his status of this game. This was all the sort of typical week one overreaction stuff where there's so many people so excited about college football, they treat every little nugget and morsel about a game as if it's the most important thing that's ever happened. We saw right through that. We told you that the walk-on they were going to be playing had, had played before, that he was he was fine. He was a starter-level quarterback for a Utah team playing at home and a Utah team that on paper was kind of better than Florida anyway. The quarterback would not be the factor here. They also played the Wildcat guy. We would kind of had been tipped off that was going to take place there as well. The other thing that we kind of called here on all this was, and I don't mean to toot our own horn, but we kind of nailed this, and we've been saying this for months, that Florida's biggest weakness was going to be along its offensive line. They gave up, what, five sacks last night, could not get the running game going. In fact, let me show you this here for a moment, just sort of settle in on this. How about these stats uh, that were um, that were shared last night? 
uh, 11 total uh, Jim Weber's one that had this I forgot to put his uh, credit on this uh, that's my fault but uh Billy Napier's uh 2023 debut after a disastrous first season at Florida 11 total points 21 rushing yards nine penalties and two players on the field with the same number on fourth down leading to a Utah touchdown I mean it was embarrassing and you don't need me to tell you this go to any Florida message board right now go to any you know place on social media where Florida fans are congregating together this was one of the most embarrassing performances you'll ever see the multitude of penalties the complete sort of unprofessional you know kind of haphazard performance from Florida going out there to Utah embarrassing the entirety of the SEC with the way they performed some of their players were on social media before the game kind of mocking Rice Eccles Stadium for being too small the very first play of the game bam Utah hits them on a big score and Florida every time it had a chance to really do something the game was getting a disastrous penalty embarrassing itself and really just looking sloppy just you know absolutely sloppy in fact the the best overall point of this is now I want you to think about how different these two programs are for right now for Georgia the school that we talk about every single day the team that we talk about every single day Right now, the message around here is go for three and 23. You've heard us say that over and over again. We've got a beautiful new graphic on in front of our desk that demonstrates that. Go for three and 23. I think for Florida, the brand new slogan for that program moving forward should be get rid of a three before the end of 2023. Perhaps that should be the new slogan for Florida because the same program, and I'll show you this on the screen, the same program that once gave us two Florida players blocking each other at the same time, one of the great hits from the history of Florida football, the same program that was once famous for having two players blocking each other last night was famous for, well, instead of me telling you, let me let you hear the referee from last night's game telling us just how embarrassing it got at one point in time for Florida in a disastrous moment from last night's game. Jason Marshall, one of the guys that's called in to field punts. The defense. There were two number threes on the field. Jason Marshall, one more time. That's called in to field punts. The defense. There were two number threes on the field. All right, that's probably good on that. Uh, there were two number threes on the field. As I said before, a new Florida mo- motto might be, let's get rid of a three before the end of 2023. Like, how does this happen? How does this happen? I mean, not only... Do you, hopefully you have enough, I mean, you look at the team picture from Florida a year ago, you got all the players there, and then around that, you got a thousand guys wearing golf shirts. I mean, Florida has a support staff, an analyst staff, that's like a couple hundred deep, at least it seems that way. How does nobody step in and say, hey, one of these number threes got to get off the field? And by the way, little known fact, you actually don't have to have two number threes on your roster. If you think it's going to be too much of a, temptation to kind of fall into both these guys being on the field at the same time because as you know you can't have two guys on the field at the same time with the same number you can have uh you know double numbers in your roster they just can't be on the field at the same time if you're so concerned that you might not be you know professional enough to prevent that from happening you actually don't have to have two number threes there are a hundred available numbers right now once you count number zero uh you can just give everybody a different number if you wanted to but apparently florida not quite bright enough to uh, be able to do that now i want to give you billy napier's reaction to all this after the embarrassing loss last night admittedly this audio is not great it's actually probably pretty bad it's but it's the best quality i could find to be completely honest with you uh and it's important to note here just the absolute resignation in napier's voice as he tries to explain how it is that florida got a penalty that resulted in a utah touchdown for having two guys wearing the same number on the field and the fact that was in keeping with all the other penalties 
that um, that Florida had last night. Eddie the Blind Squirrel, he loves this. Florida never gets any better. There's just as much of a joke now as they've ever been. Billy Napier tries to explain it. The audio is terrible, but boy, the sound of Napier's voice is still pretty sweet. Take a listen to this. It is something that we have worked, had in the past, that we've worked in the past. Um, yeah, you're rotating the front return two to one. We go safe. Jason's out there. We're supposed to get him off. And we just didn't communicate with the deep rim. But safe, we've got to communicate that better. There's no question that's, that's another thing that we control uh, that we didn't do the right way. Another thing that we control that we didn't do the right way. Like, is that just the funniest thing you've heard in your life? As I said before, Georgia's motto, go for three in 23. Florida's motto, get rid of a three before the end of 2023. So stuff like this doesn't happen again. And that is Around the Doghouse, poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Green. If you've ever wanted to pour one, if you've ever wanted to enjoy one, Right now is a great time to do that. So make sure you check out some finished long drink. Stock it up for your tailgate party, your watch party. Getting ready to enjoy a lot of fun things, a lot of fun folks here right now. The finished long drink goes all of it. It goes with all of it. Whether it's the cranberry, a lot of folks love that. The long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. Y'all know I'm a kind of an old school traditional guy, kind of an old soul, if you will. My favorite version is the traditional version. It's the blue can, got the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. And now, for those of us here in the peach day we got the peach flavored version of the finished long drink we're hearing reports you're finding it you're enjoying it uh people are having a great time with it in fact we'll hear from the uh some folks enjoying some finished long drink as part of our golden shoes a little bit later on today so go to the longdrink.com put in that zip code find out why in all of these awards that are given for this brand new category of beverage known as these uh, ready to drink cocktails uh, right now the finished long drink is basically uh, like the most awarded beverage in that category here right now uh they're having a uh, great time uh this is not really a part of the read but uh, there was a uh a video that went viral yesterday with like Dave Portnoy, like from Barstool, and he's doing this crazy uh, one of his pizza reviews, and it just totally blew up and turned into this like crazy thing. Like one of the the girls that came up to him in this video was also wearing a finished long drink t shirt. I noticed that. That's not a part of the read, but I did notice that yesterday. The point is, go to thelongdrink.com. You can find out where you can pick some up. By now, you've tried it, you enjoy it, but maybe you haven't tried the peach flavored version of the finished long drink yet. Right now is the time to do that. So find them online, thelongdrink.com. When I see you in Athens tomorrow, we will toast ourselves and the toast the start of the college football season with the finished long drink that is going to be a terrific terrific time all right very quick i need to say something um i just criticized florida for a lot of penalties and a lot of you know kind of haphazard decision making apparently i also jumped off sides too uh, because i told you you can go to dognation.com and you can see the link to get our dog nation invasion on the tennessee river tickets that link is being put up right now. So uh, I wasn't set before the ball snapped. Uh, I jumped off sides here a little bit on that. But my understanding is right now, as of now, that is being put up. So uh, by the time most of I mean, like 99% of you, you know, watch and listen to the show after it's aired live. But if you are watching live right now, you may have gone straight to the website upon my uh, command, if you will, to uh, check out those tickets for the uh, Dog Nation Invasion. You may not have seen that link, but that link is being put up right now. And for those of you who are watching and listening later on, obviously it will have been well up for a while by the time you get a chance to connect with the show. And these tickets are limited. They are going to go fast. Dog Nation Invasion on the Tennessee River. We are taking over Knoxville, and they're going to hate it, but that's what we live for. So we can't wait to do all of that. All right, it's Jake Fromm before we're done. Really candid stuff from Jake about – you know, what I thought was a 
tremendous preseason performance and yet ultimately not getting that active roster spot for the Washington Commanders, a team that's made bad quarterback decisions in the past, I believe has made another one right now. But Jake, great perspective on this and certainly very candid in talking about as a player what you go out and try to do, which is make the best name for yourself possible. I thought that Jake did that. So he'll talk about that plus uh, his thoughts on Georgia starting the season tomorrow there as well. Uh, we recorded this yesterday with Jake, so really good stuff coming up before we're done. Kroger Fresh Take with him. But for now, UGA recruiting, uh, what's going on with Georgia commits as they move through, in many cases, their senior seasons? How about moving on uh, for what's next to this 2024 class there as well? Perhaps even a few folks in the building tomorrow. Let's cover all of that ground with Jeff Sintel here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Looking forward to being in the Classic City with Jeff Sintel tomorrow. Georgia, Tennessee, Martin. A lot of fun to be had all day long, and Jeff going to be a big part of that. Uh, And Jeff, before we do that, obviously some business for us to take care of, as we always do, talking UG recruiting here on a Friday. Eventually, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the guys that former Georgia recruits that will get a chance to make their debuts between the hedges tomorrow. That's going to be uh, a lot of fun. But I guess prior to that, I, I do want to kind of look at, as we return to high school football tonight, we've got a great game on Peachtree TV with uh, Carrollton and Rome. I'm really excited uh, about that game. But also kind of looking at some of the Georgia commits and what they've done thus far during their senior seasons. Let, let me start with the positive here for a moment. I think the guy right now among Georgia commits, maybe you'll tell me somebody different, but I think right now, perhaps the guy uh, who's made the most buzz thus far during his senior year, maybe Nycar, the Georgia wide receiver commit down there in Colquitt County. We've kind of wondered, hey, will Georgia add the elite receiver to this 2024 class? But perhaps it already has the elite receiver. Perhaps a guy like Nycar uh, will have a recruiting ranking that truly reflects that by the time this year is done. It seems like he's really catching it pretty well right now for the Packers. Yeah, Brandon. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um Two quick things. First of all, before we jump into NICAR, let me give you some some support, my man. We don't have 65 polo shirts supporting the Dog Nation team like like Billy Napier does in his special teams unit. But what we do have are some guys that, you know, Brandon, upon further review, we got to take that flag up that you called out on yourself. Because if you're on DogNation.com, even when you made the announcement, you clicked on the events page, there was already a link there for everyone to find nice. uh, Dog Nation Invasion Tailgate nice. Tickets, Tennessee River. Nice. So um, I even uh, I even dropped it in the YouTube chat. I even shared wow. it out on Twitter, on social media. Look at Jeff. Tagged the whole team. So, Brandon, unfortunately, we cannot lump you into that category of jumping off sides there, man. I'm glad to know that, Jeff. And thank you for helping us get that word out to all of our folks who are with us here live right now. And by the way, what an event that's going to be, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I think we had a we had a soft release of it last night amongst the crowd at Happy Hour Marlowe's Tavern. A couple of very respected, uh, nautically uh, aquatic inclined Georgia fans. Uh, they said this might be the very best thing we've ever done for the fans and for people to be a part of. So that's really great. I'm really excited to be a part of it. I think Dog Nation is all about shared experiences among a rabid community. Speaking of rabbit, guys, you need to be barking right now. Give me, give me three barks and a clap and a Ric Flair woo for what Nine Car is doing right now, Brandon. We saw him start out when those initial rankings came out for 2024. He was around a number 30 and number 40 overall player in the country. And they dipped a little bit to like number 56 now. But everybody was wondering about when Georgia 
was going to get or will they add a five-star receiver in the class, turns out Nykar might be that guy. He might be him, as those young folks like to say, because through two games, he's already he's already kind of nailing the bingo board. He's got a catch-of-the-year candidate. He's got a couple of viral highlights. He's had a four-touchdown game. He's already got six touchdowns through two games. He's averaging about 150 receiving yards per contest. Just really long-branded with big, kind of gargantuan uh, hands, hands that belong on maybe a Looney Tunes character. Guy Carr, he is putting in that work. He is clocking in. And right now, you look across this land about the dogs that are balling out, the future dogs that are balling out in 2023. I don't think anyone is having a more sublime start to their 2023 season than Colquitt County's Nycar. The other guy I would kind of put in that category, and this is more difficult to measure because you don't have quite the same kind of stats to go with it, and I've also probably maybe have a little bit of a bias here because this is a guy that I've seen in person, but I think what Daniel Calhoun, the Georgia offensive line commit, provides Walton is, A, a dimension that Walton really hasn't had, that extra beef up front, I just think makes them – they were already a legitimate state championship contender in the highest classification, I believe, and I think the presence of Calhoun makes that even doubly so, I think. He's also playing some defensive line for them, too. That's just a beefy guy to add to a team that's really deep with skill position-type players. But for those who maybe don't care as much about that and care more about future dogs here – Jeff, you know, Daniel Calhoun to me right now looks every bit the part of some of these monstrous figures that Georgia's brought in during the Kirby Smart era along the offensive line who found a home for themselves pretty quickly. Um, I had a chance to interact with Daniel a little bit before the season started, saw him play shortly after that. I'm a very big fan of Daniel Calhoun right now. Well, first of all, Brendan, what I knew is when the Walton High staff, who I got to give a hat tip, I think they're one of the most prepared staff in the in the nation that you'll ever see, especially in the state of Georgia. They get their guys ready to play. They they work on their guys mentally, physically, conditioning wise. And when I see Daniel Calhoun, and this is one of those things that maybe maybe Johnny Dog fan or Joe Dog fan might think, okay, this year looks great, but what happens when Georgia loses loses a Cedric Von Prom game Granger, Xavier Truss, and a Marius Mims, a, a Kate Ratledge on the offensive line? Well I see Calhoun coming in an eventual reload of the Georgia offensive line. Like next year, you're going to have guys like Micah Morris, Dylan Fairchild, Jared Walker, more, you know, Monroe Freeling. You're still going to have Ernest Green the third. So they're going to, these waves of reloads are going to be happening for the offensive line. And I think that's a stark contrast to what you see right now in Florida, for example, with they lose a couple of guys to the portal. They have a guy get drafted and look what their offensive line looks like. Calhoun, give them about a year and a, a year and a half in Calhoun's weight program, in Sinclair's weight, 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 weight program. I mean, excuse me. Get him to reshape some of that body even more. Get a little stronger in his legs. Get him, get him to throw those hands a little bit more violently, violently. And you're going to see a player that, when his time comes at Georgia, he's going to be ready. There's going to be no well. Let's throw him out there and see what's going to happen against the mighty youths of Utah. You're going to have a bona fide player, and I think Brandon. This is no disrespect to Calhoun at all because he will be an absolute mauler. But in this Georgia 2024 class, I see guys like Nair Daniels. I see guys like Michael Uni, who had a great start as well. And I see guys like Marquez Easy, Big, Big Easy, Big Kez. And those are natural tackles, Brandon, natural left tackle types, right tackle types, where I think Daniel Calhoun is going to start multiple seasons for Georgia at guard. 
And good Lord, that right side of the line, if you can put him and Nair Daniels or him and Michael Ooney on that side or him and Marquez Easley on that side, maybe Monroe Freeling in a 2025 offensive line is his left tackle. The future at that position, I mean, it, it, it's almost like the food pantry is overstocked with dudes on the offensive line. So what do you make of Dylan Riola, the Buford quarterback? You know, this is a guy that I kind of cautioned me before the season began. Of Buford's going to sort of do what Buford does, and Ryle obviously transfers as the nation's number one recruit on the basis of some services here to be in the state of Georgia, be at UGA in a, in a couple of months, and he's on a you know a nationally ranked team. They're two and zero. They've beaten two you know traditional powers here to begin the season. The numbers for Ryle aren't eye popping here right now. What do you make of, I guess, the somewhat meager statistics for Ryle through his first two games playing here in the state of Georgia for Buford? Yeah, I guess I look at it through more of the, I guess, a perspective, educated eye a little bit. I got to remember the parameters. And I wrote something about, on this about Dog Nation a while back about Ryola. Folks tend to forget um, that he's only been at, he's only been at Buford for about two and a half months. That's symmetry, that's cohesion, that's chemistry, that's gelling. He's also only been a varsity quarterback for, this will be his third season. He didn't start playing quarterback till his freshman year. And I think the things you got to look at with Riola is not where he is now, which is still a, a five-star prospect, but where he's going to be two or three years, four years down the road. And when I look at Riola, I see effortless way he throws the football. I see he can get to second and third reads a lot, even under duress right now, where Buford's offensive line has had has been challenged. St. Francis is well-stocked with national defensive prospects. And then Mallard Creek, let's not forget, that's the home of uh, – that's the home of uh, Jordan Davis. That's in Jordan Davis to Georgia as well. Trenton Simpson to Clemson as well. I'm not worried about Dylan Ryola. Um, I don't think the Dog Nation will have these things to worry about for Dylan week six, week seven, week eight. But regardless of what he does on paper or on the stat sheet this year, you've got a guy that's prototype size. He's a worker. He gets the character component that really matters at Georgia. And, uh, I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny, I kid, how it's kind of first program problems here for the dogs that people are worrying about the number one offensive, number one overall prospect in the country on several services and him not looking like a world beater right away after his third team in three years and his second or third month leading an offense. We got more with Jeff Sintel coming up. I also want to give a shout out to the Jay Stein Law Firm, a part of us here at Dog Nation this year, including on game days there as well. And you need to know if you've been hurt or injured in an accident that wasn't your fault uh, when you didn't do anything wrong, but someone else did, that's when you need to be thinking about and reaching out to our friends at the Jay Stein Law Firm. Not only is Josh Stein a double dog, a guy who graduated a couple of times from UJ, including UJ Law School, he's also got more than 20 years of experience handling injury cases, perhaps just like the one you may be going through here right now uh you're gonna get the uh, small firm attention the service the compassion those kinds of things that you ought to be getting the kind of personal care that you expect but you're also going to have you know in, in, in incredible resources devoted to uh, helping you get the best possible outcome there as well because it, with the jay stein law firm every client 
receives uh, exactly what they need on every single case they go through. So when the time comes, if you find yourself in need, reach out to a fellow dog and get the service you deserve. It's the J. Stein Law Firm online at jsteinlawfirm.com. That's Stein spelled S-T-E-I-N, J. Stein Law Firm. Uh, Josh Stein and his entire team there ready to work for you. Glad to have him as a part of Dog Nation here for the 2023 season. Now, uh, Jeff, uh, to get back to uh, the Georgia Bulldogs here just for a moment, obviously we can talk about recruits and guys who are going to sign as a part of the 2024 class. But how about when it comes to guys who sign as part of the 2023 class who are going to make their debut uh, between the hedges there tomorrow? I know you talked about this on Before the Hedges, presented by Kroger on Wednesday. Give us a brief snapshot here for a second, if you don't mind. You know, obviously we can't mention 20-something guys, but give me that small handful, two, three, whatever, of the freshmen tomorrow that you could expect to make the largest impact. Yeah, always a great question, and I – it's, it's almost like you, you sometimes sound like a, a Georgia football a nerd or something like that when you're at opening day and you're talking around the tailgate. You're trying to say, all right, folks, you got to get your numbers right. you got to look for number 91. Number 91, commit that to memory, folks. That's the freshman kicker, Peyton Woodring. Um, came, came from Louisiana, was heck of a baseball player. Extremely confident young man. He was the number one kicker in the country. This kind of feels like what I said last year about Brett Thorson as being the the freshman most likely to start at punter. I think Peyton Woodring is going to start some games at Georgia at kicker this year, if not on Saturday. He has got an amazing leg. He's got an amazing kickoff leg. 91 is a good place to start. I think 33 is another great place to start. C.J. Allen, the linebacker. I'm just going to simply, concisely say he's going to be a guy that Dog Nation compares future linebacker prospects to in the years to come. You know how people do this now with Roquan. People do this with Nakobe. People do this with Quay Walker. People do this with Shamal Munden, Jamon Johnson, Jamon Dumas Johnson. There's a lot of them. I think I think I think T.G. Allen is the great combination of character, brain, athleticism, size, toughness, composure, all those DNA traits. I think he's going to be really special in Georgia. You're going to allow me. I know you are to to say, to, to say the number three, which is a redshirt freshman. That is Andrew Paul. I think he can be another great bell cow running back in Athens. I think he was going to be that guy last year as a freshman flash, as a true freshman flash before the knee injury. The reports I've been given um, of how he's looked in fall camp look amazing, um, especially coming off the injury. Uh, number 88, let's say happy birthday to Pierce Sperling III. Uh, Pierce is a guy that uh, comes from a true Bulldog family. His guys have had um, his family has had season tickets for 25 years. His family is now going to be in the family section and not in their customary section where they watched all those games that Pierce went to growing up. Got an opportunity to play a lot tomorrow uh, because it's UT Martin and he's the third team tied in. I think he's a guy that's number 88 is going to flash flash a lot of attention. And and there's a lot of other places I could go. Number four, AJ Harris, the cornerback. Uh, a lot of Georgia infusion of talent. Number 44, you know, Big Baby Hall, Jordan Big Baby Hall. Brandon, you and I both know that they wouldn't hand out that number 44 jersey to somebody that wasn't ready to make an impact quick at Georgia. And I think defensive line is one of those areas where the dogs absolutely need it. You're going to see a freshman wide receiver or two as well. But let's just say this, that everybody wants that haymaker opponent where Georgia can, you know, throw roundhouse rights and uppercuts against the quality power five. But – I think, I think the next two weeks, 
is going to be a ramp up and a chance to see the future of Georgia football look very good. In some ways, Brandon, it's going to be unfair when Georgia rolls in their twos and threes and fours because I do expect that to happen at some point in the game. And you're going to see all these young people trying to get good stuff on tape so they can claw their way up the depth chart. Well, speaking of trying to get some good stuff on tape, I know you'll be doing that down on the field on Saturday. Lots of great photos of uh, terrific recruits are going to be there. And obviously, we'll be doing our own version of that with pre- and post-game coverage. Big day for Dog Nation between the hedges tomorrow. Jeff, glad to have you as a part of it. Looking forward to seeing you back in Athens tomorrow there as well. We don't get many of these, but tomorrow's a special one to enjoy. So we'll look forward to doing that together and then having you back here to talk more about the 2024 recruiting class in the very near future here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger there as well. Yeah, rare night game. And here's another little taste of why we know football's back. Georgia coaches can be out on the road um, checking on prospects, talking to pros- talk- talking around the halls. They can be at games watching potential targets left. And, Brandon, there's only like three or four of them, but L.J. McRae, Mainland High School, Daytona Beach, Florida. Georgia will have Trey Scott down there as well checking out uh, L.J. McRae on a Friday night. And Brandon, I don't know about you, but it really feels like football season, and the teeth are fully sunk into the experience when you see Georgia coaches out on the road scouting future dogs as well. That is true, Jeff. Thanks for your time. I look forward to talking to you soon. See you, man. Can't wait to see you in the boat, too. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. Yeah, so Jeff calling it a night game for Georgia tomorrow. To me, it's a night-ish game. You know, at 6 o'clock, it's still pretty daylight here this time of year beginning of september by the fourth quarter it should be dark though so from that standpoint you'll get a chance to see the lights i believe in use tomorrow i think by the fourth quarter it should be dark tomorrow so that's really fun jeff also mentioned the number three you know we joked earlier about the embarrassment for florida last night of having two number threes in the field before we're done today that number three is going to come back for our golden shoe i did not know this i didn't have any idea about this and my mind is blown the cosmic confluence of events that have taken place here for Florida. This is a little bit like when you were a kid, you found out that Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy and Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a certain version of this involving Florida football and embarrassing moments, which I think we'll be blown away by. We'll tell you about that coming up for our golden shoes. Prior to that, though, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, coming up in November, we're going to be on a boat on the Tennessee River. But in April of 2024, we're going to be in a ship. And it's going to be an amazing ship, Allure of the Seas, for the Dog Nation Cruise, a part of a great 2024 that Royal Caribbean's got planned for us all. Debut of Icon of the Seas. April of 2024, how about Allure of the Seas for the Dog Nation Cruise? Bigger and better than it's ever been before. Keep these dates in mind. April 22nd through the 26th, we had folks last night, the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. They were wearing their Dog Nation Cruise t-shirts. Uh still just reminiscing about what a great time we had a year ago and how much fun we expected to be this year there as well royaldogs.com that's the website for you to go to to find out more about that and our friend jessica slater can also tell you about really important details as it relates to july of 2024 this is one of the things i'm also really excited about for royal caribbean the upcoming new year that's the debut of utopia of the seas utopia is going to be the newest in the oasis class of ships it's going to set sail in july from port canaveral and it's going to be brand new ship by the way doing those three and four night sailings this is an amazing thing for me because for a lot of families the shorter cruises are just more convenient and 
how about putting a brand new ship on those shorter cruises going out of port canaveral which for a lot of us is the most convenient port to get to as it is so jessica slater can tell you all about that give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 or email her jslater at dreamvacations.com all right a couple of things to do here for a moment including what is actually a pretty big announcement that most of us don't really care about anymore because we've just gotten kind of tired of some of this kind of stuff but we'll make sure we at least cover it before we hear from jake Fromm in a moment let me first though kind of give you some as quick as i possibly can thoughts on the other big games of week one. First of all lsu florida state's one of the biggest games to be played all season long just happens to be week one i am still of my belief that this is a performance for lsu to demonstrate they belong among the national elite i think the florida state's a very good team i think that lsu may be a great team and or at least in the category of playoff level by defining it great that way and i think there's a chance for lsu to demonstrate that now as you know the loser of this game no matter which side it is can still make the playoffs but i am on lsu for sunday night i know a lot of us looking forward to watching that i believe that north carolina south carolina is a better game than it's gotten attention for and i think one of the things that could be interesting we kind of know north carolina as the team that plays 100 miles an hour very explosive offense horrible on defense but keep in mind there's been some coaching transition there offensive coordinator now at wisconsin i think what's left over may result in a slightly slower place for north carolina in this game i would just keep that in mind a bit perhaps uh but i also think a lot of fun if south carolina does win i predicted they will they're a two and a half point underdog here but i predicted they will i think it sets up georgia south carolina to have a little juice to it top 25 matchup that's one of the reasons why i think that game matters we have not talked much about the blue raiders of middle tennessee state going to tuscaloosa i won't do much of that here right now either other than to say you know i'm, I'm curious to see the debut of justice haynes you know the wide receivers for alabama have been a little bit maligned during the preseason time the, the the fall camp time but i believe they may be a little better at receiver this year than they were a year ago i think malik benson the junior college watt transfer gives them a little bit of an edge they didn't have a year ago so i'm curious to see how the wide receivers play i'm curious to see how much alabama choose to lean on the running game in this one you know i think the under may be worth a look i'm not even sure what the total is i'm just saying do your own research but it may be worth a look for an alabama team that has said a lot about wanting to establish itself at the line of scrimmage and you know a guy like caleb downs the uh, freshman on the defensive side of the ball another name that georgia fans know pretty well his debut there as well this may be the uh or the you know the beginning of a reinvention for alabama at least an attempted reinvention and the game against middle tennessee state may go a long way towards showing us how real all of that is anything left uh from the sec slate to state one more time so i do think that tennessee virginia a little bit interesting from the standpoint that typically speaking i would not love one of these teams favored by a whole bunch of points i think large spreads are high variance when you're 28 points favored something like that almost anything can happen late in these games to move it sort of on one side of the point spread one way or another but i do believe tennessee probably has a little bit of extra motivation to kind of pour it on against virginia now it's an emotional day for virginia because this is their first time back to football after the obviously horrible tragedy near the end of last season but to kind of keep this between the boundaries of the white lines for a moment you know tony elliott the virginia coach has said a couple of times about he was offered the tennessee job and uh from his telling of it turned it down we talked on the show a couple of weeks ago about danny white the vols athletic director firing back on tony elliott about that kind of what he said uh, a need to correct the record on that 
so perhaps there's a little bit of bad blood here, maybe more so than it appears at the surface, and perhaps that's a motivation for Tennessee to perhaps tack on the extra score if need be. Do like the Vols minus the pretty big number here. Uh, top 25 action. We haven't talked much about Colorado, the debut for Dion against TCU. It's a three-touchdown game. I expect it to be somewhere in that neighborhood. Michigan hosts East Carolina without Jim Harbaugh. I guess do with that what you will. JT Daniels uh, plays his third game in Austin against Texas for th- for his third different team. Rice on the road at Texas. Uh, I think that Washington-Boise State's probably a sneaky good game for a Washington team that's getting some top 10 love and a Boise State team that perhaps might be the best team in the group of five. I think Penn State-West Virginia, slightly interesting. Penn State's a little bit of a darling right now. Uh, a lot of folks expecting the Nittany Lions to be much improved or maybe the next step in their overall improvement. This is also an old-school rivalry. You know, Younger folks don't necessarily think of it that way, but West Virginia uh, Penn State's been a big rivalry for a long time. I would say that um, West Virginia is also, uh, you know, you know, one of the worst teams in, in the Big Twelve. You think about coaches in the hot seat. You look at a Neil Brown there at West Virginia. Of all the kind of Power Five coaches, he may be the most likely to get fired. Uh, so I don't know that I like West Virginia very much in the spot. But uh, there is some there is some interest and some energy around some of that. And then don't forget, you got a full weekend of action here. Oregon State, uh, they get they go on Sunday against San Jose State, LSU, Florida State. We've talked about on Sunday night, and then on Monday night we got a game too. It's Duke hosting Clemson, and I like Duke a lot here in this spot. They're a big underdog at home. We gave you UConn as a big home underdog last night. That cashed. I kind of like Duke in the same spot here. About a, I forget exactly where the number is, but they're about a two touchdown underdog hosting uh, uh, Clemson. Uh, Mike Elko in his first year, the Blue Devils were great against the spread a year ago. So I think there's a lot to like about Duke right there, uh, at least plus the points. We'll see how the final score. I would certainly not expect Clemson to lose, but it's a lot of points to give on the road, especially to a Duke team that was pretty frisky last year in Elko's first year. We will make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and we'll get a chance to hear from the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fraun, right now. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Time now for a Kroger Fresh Take. We had a chance to talk to the uh, former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. And, Jake, welcome to the show. We're obviously always happy to have you. And I can't tell you how much Georgia fans have been just kind of riding along with you over these last few weeks. First of all, a, a couple of outstanding performances for the Washington Commanders there in the preseason, really an outstanding preseason overall, especially those final two games. And obviously a lot of us were just devastated to find out that you didn't make the active roster there for the Commanders. And it's just kind of that – you know, tough life in the NFL, I'm guessing, but I know you had to have been very proud of how you performed during the preseason. I guess if you don't mind, before we talk some Georgia football, you know, share a little bit about what your mindset is right now, because you can't go out there and put better film on, you know, on tape than what you did over the course of the last few weeks. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, man, I, uh, I had a really good camp, a uh, really good off season. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, was, was best to, was blessed to play, uh, pretty well in a few games. Um, had some great teammates had a great offensive line play and had some, uh, some really good skill guys who went out and made a few plays for me. So, um, you know, as far as that goes, I mean, really, really sucks to come up just short, but, uh, man, that's just part of the business here in the NFL. Uh, the, the 53 spot, it is a, a really, really, really tough thing to, to make. Um, and man, when you do make it, it doesn't, uh, doesn't come very often. doesn't come lightly. So, um, but man, excited to, uh, to be back here, uh, in Washington on P squad and, and ready to, to go into the season and, um, ready to help out and, um, look forward to the first game. 
the one game in particular a couple of weeks ago, the Monday night game, because it was on national television and because weirdly the Ravens had had this like really long, as you're aware of, really long preseason winning streak. Like that game in particular generated so much interest. I'm guessing you got all kinds of calls and texts after that because I don't know. It seems like there was as many people watching that preseason game in my sphere as probably any point in time I can remember. There's just a lot of energy around that preseason game. I'm guessing you got uh, a lot of response after what you went out and did on national television that night. Yeah, that one was pretty fun. Uh, I mean, you can't can't write it up any better than that, being able to have uh, that opportunity um, to be able to go and uh, you know score a touchdown to get it close and then um, to uh, be able to kick a field goal to uh, – to win it, I mean that's just, uh, I mean, you know, that's just storybook stuff. I mean, even for a preseason game, doesn't matter. You know, for me, my livelihood's on the line, so I'm gonna go out and try to compete and win this game um, to the best of my ability. So, man, the guy stepped up, made a few plays, and uh, we were to come up, come out with a win. So I'm curious, when you're doing things like that, you know, calling back on your athletic career, obviously it's been well-documented, you know, your past of playing the Little League World Series and obviously what you did as a high school baseball player in addition to your high school football career and your time at Georgia. Like, how much are you calling upon some of that kind of stuff of, you know, this may be, you know, the Ravens or this may be, you know, whatever other NFL team you happen to play, but it's really a sporting event, the likes of which you've been playing your entire life. Like, how much do the different levels of sport kind of stand apart in terms of what it's like near the end of the game the butterflies I'm sure kind of pop in there a little bit but you've got a job to do to go out there and perform how much do those kinds of things feel the same or possibly different than other experiences that you've had yeah it's um man I've been blessed to play in a lot of really unique and then really big situations um you know I've been put in in front of crowds in an early age uh with the Little League World Series um you know baseball tournament and then uh, being able to play in some really big high school football games in front of big crowds, and then obviously uh, going to college, playing in big games early. So, man, I, I just just something that that I was able to do and be able to get that experience and put it up under up under my belt early, um, and then you know from from here on out, it's just going back and um, kind of you know picking my own brain from that experience. That hey, what did I do well? What did I not do well? And hey, what can I take from it and be able to, to go and, and perform a little bit better than in the next scenario I do have. Shifting gears to uh, Georgia here for a moment, I honestly can't remember if we've talked about Carson Beck being named the uh, starting quarterback. That happened after the second scrimmage a couple of weeks ago. And I think, you know, obviously that's a little bit different type of procedure than sometimes Kirby Smart's followed in terms of, you know, at least in terms of the official announcement, not taking it into the season, not trying to play it as coy as he possibly could. You and I had both kind of said of, hey, if there's a chance to be a little bit more direct and more open about this, Smart might do that. Ultimately, that's exactly what he did do in that scenario. What did you think about the decision to announce Carson as the starting quarterback? And I guess how well do you think it sets up for Carson here right now for this season? Yeah, uh, for me, the way I take it is uh, I I think that means that Carson um, was having some real, real success during training camp and, um, you know, maybe looked head and shoulders above above the other two guys only because uh, Coach Smart loves to to play his cards close and be able to have that competitive advantage. Um, You know, even if it is UT Martin or Ball State, it doesn't, you know, coming up in the next couple games, being able to have that competitive advantage of them not knowing who the starting quarterback is where, you know, it's more drop back passing game or then it's more, hey, zone read, uh, move the pocket type things, maybe with Brock or maybe even with Gunner. You know, you just – you never know. So, um, yeah, I, honestly, that was surprising. I, I think that does mean because Carson has taken
things we hear sometimes is from a personality standpoint, he may be a little bit different than maybe Stetson would have been. Maybe he's a little bit more mild mannered. You know, how much of a and that's obviously just sort of the the whispers that you hear. It's not necessarily I, I'm obviously not inside the program to, to say that for sure. But how much of that personality of the quarterback, you know, really does matter? And how much of is there a requirement? Hey, that quarterback does have to be your vocal leader. He's got to be the guy that's in the front of the meeting room or whatever other scenario. And he's got to be the guy really kind of, you know, issuing, I don't want to say commands, but but certainly strong direction, strong leadership. How much of that really is imperative for that quarterback? Yeah, I, I think in a, maybe in a picture perfect world, that's exactly what you would want, you know, from from your quarterback. Um, but man, as as I've played over the years, I, I think just a, a a few things that you just absolutely you know have to have from your quarterback, um, and then the rest is is really just bonus. I mean, I think from a quarterback, you have to have kind of a you just have to have a conviction in your decision making. You know, whether it was the best decision or not, like you just, you can't go into playing the quarterback position and second guess yourself. Um, you got to have quick, uh, conviction of what you're doing and where the ball's going. Um, and you got to be able to make a play when a play's needed. Um, and that's just, uh, what, what guys want to see through the quarterback. They want to see it, in their, see it in your eyes when you're in the huddle, um, that you trust yourself in making this play and making this decision. Um, and, uh, man, guys, guys love that, and guys respect that. So I'm curious, it's a game like Tennessee Martin on Saturday. You know, if you were playing, you wouldn't be able to say this out loud. But now that you're a little older, we can acknowledge this is not quite the same <laughs> level of opponent that Georgia's going to play the uh, rest of its games here this year. And when you think about, hey, a couple of guys are kind of nursing some injuries, you know, there are a couple of guys that you certainly don't want to see them get hurt in what we might say is an otherwise meaningless game compared to the SEC games that are coming down the line. Like, how much do you think Georgia kind of goes into a game like this saying, okay, there are a few things we really don't want to do. You know, there are a few things maybe we want to try out and experiment, but we don't want, you know, Brock Bowers-level players in the game much longer than they need to be. When you were playing, how aware were you of the idea that, you know, this is a little bit different type of game and we may not be going out there showing the full breadth of our playbook or, or certainly, you know, pushing our guys to the point where they might get hurt because we're going to need them more later on. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, it's a, it's a built-in preseason game, but, but it matters, you know, um, obviously in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, I, I think for, for, for them, like, especially as an offense, you still have to go out and you have to establish your identity. You know, what, what are we going to be uh, as an offense? What's going to be our identity? What's our philosophy here? You know, are we uh, a gritty, you know, offense who just who loves to, to run the football and kind of pound it down your throat? Or are we trying to get space and move this ball around left and right uh, and then attack you vertically? So uh, I, you, you're going to kind of get the kinks out a little bit and figure out who you are and which guys can make a few plays. So um, from my perspective and my experience, I mean, those guys have to get out and they have to play a little bit just to figure out who you are and what you can and what you can't do. Jake, really good stuff. we got more with Jake Fromm coming up. Let me remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger today. And don't forget, you're getting stocked up for the big game day watch party, or perhaps you get your tailgate party there in Athens. The food, the beverage, everything you need to make that the most fun experience it can possibly be right there with our friends at Kroger. Stop by uh, in-store and do all your shopping. Go to Kroger.com if you want to get going there on that. You can also try out Kroger Boost, the brand-new membership opportunity. Just get stocked up for everything you need to get ready for game day. Jake, we'll finish up with this. It's been interesting to me last few days to watch the way in which 
which even though Georgia's the two-time national champion, boy, it just seems like there's still a lot of chatter out there on the part of like national media, ESPN, whatever, for teams such as Alabama. We've heard a little bit certainly about Michigan. And this is one of those things, and I say rightly so because I am a Georgia fan, this is one of those things that I think bothers a lot of Georgia fans because they feel like after two straight national championships, the team in some respects still perhaps isn't getting the full credit it deserves. Now, we also heard from Cedric Von Prahn Granger this week who said that he wasn't really aware of some of what's been said, specifically the idea that all of the ESPN game day uh, staff, their collection of analysts, all picked Alabama to win the SEC. But privately, how much of that kind of thing do you think the team potentially uses as motivation? A year ago, it seemed like they were using some of that. How much of that is kind of fresh fuel to come out and maybe try to do all of this all over again here this season? Yeah, you know, from a, a fan's perspective, uh, you know, you, you do feel like you, you earned, you know, a certain level of respect that, it, that you're maybe not getting. Um, but I think from uh, Kirby's perspective, I think he kind of loves it, mm-hmm. uh, that underdog mentality, um, be able to kind of put that on to the, to the guys that, hey, nobody's respecting you. They don't think you can do it um, and be able to turn that um, kind of and, and add that as a little bit of fuel to the fire. So um, it's fun to uh, it will be fun to see how he used uh, his messaging to get to the guys and be able to, to uh, you know, try to get the best out of them um, and, and get them going. Um, and, you know, we'll have to, to look back on it uh, to really see kind of what he said and what he used. But uh, if anybody's going to use it for the greater good of the team, it's going to be Coach Smart. No doubt about that. Jake, so good to talk to you. We're happy to have you back on the show. Obviously, best of luck in your continued preparations up there in uh, D.C., and we'll look forward to having you here as a part of a Kruger Fresh Take again very soon. Awesome, Brandon. Thank you. All right, really good stuff from Jake Fromm as part of a Kroger Fresh Take there. I'll also remind myself that I was going to tell you during our cruise around the SEC prior to hearing from Jake, there was big news coming out of the ACC, and this feels like the kind of thing that ought to be a big deal, but I think now we're all just so fatigued by all of this. But Stanford, Cal, and SMU are officially joining the ACC, one of the dumbest moves that we've ever heard. I don't even think – I really don't even know who this is supposed to be for other than, you know – uh, programs like Cal and Stanford who kind of find themselves some sort of lifeline here. Really, my only take on this at all, and after that I don't think we'll ever probably mention this ever again, is just notice what's happening here. So pretty clearly, now they're not paying big dollars for this, but ESPN is spending a little bit more to help the ACC adding you know the, these three schools. Those schools are taking dramatically reduced uh, rights fee cuts as a way of just making sure they have a place to exist i think in smu's case they're willing to take nothing they just want a place to play and and, and have football but the acc is going to get a little bit of extra money from this on espn so just notice what espn apparently is willing to spend on you know putrid programs like cal and stanford and just remember that the sec and espn to this point have not been able to come to an agreement on any additional revenue for the sec to give a ninth conference game something that would be beneficial that would provide good football but the sec as well within its rights i believe not to ask be asked to give it away for free so just and i'm not saying it's the same amount of money I'm, I'm not saying that i'm just saying just notice what espn apparently is willing to pony up for and in what espn perhaps is not willing to pony up for that's really my only take on uh this acc expansion which i don't think serves any college fans very well in fact we've heard from unc and others within the acc they're not in favor of this at all so one of the least uh, i guess exciting announcements you'll ever hear as it relates to college sports now what is exciting coming up in a few moments we have a and this is kind of a game day tradition for us 
sort of a Friday shoes dump. We have a bunch of great golden shoes. Obviously, a lot of those, as you might imagine, making fun of the lousy, stinking gators, including an amazing confluence of events about the most embarrassing thing that happened for Florida last night and a previously embarrassing moment from its past, which I was not aware of, kind of blown away by. Prior to that, I also want to give a shout out to our folks up in Cartersville, Georgia right now, because uh, um, in Cartersville, uh, the, the Bartow Tourism Group are coming together for some good times in the community. They've got a great lineup of events coming up that are going to be amazing. I want to make sure you know about everything taking place up there in Cartersville, there in Bartow County. I'm going to be not too far from there uh, tonight for high school football, uh, but nonetheless, really, really good stuff coming to the folks in Cartersville up there in Bartow County. If you're looking for some fun things to do, fall weekend, you get a chance to do that. How about Streamline Elegance, the uh, Tatra Tail and uh, Savoy Automobile Museum? On September 9th, uh, what's brewing at the uh, booth? Uh, burgers and beer with uh, Doug's Place Burgers and the Whiskey Rose Band. Uh, and then also only in Cartersville and, and the Bartow uh, uh, County uh, Tourism Board. You can also get fun events like these all throughout the years that you're not going to want to miss. So uh, it's a beautiful part of the state up there. Cartersville, Bartow County, fun events going on with the wonderful uh, Savoy Automobile Museum, some great restaurants, some great things like that. want to make sure you check that out. Go to visitcartersvillega.org. That's visitcartersvillega.org to start making some great memories possible right up there in a wonderful part of our state. Make sure you check that out today. All right, let's get ready to roll through, and we're going to hold off on our music just for a second because I have a bunch of these. I want to make sure we do it kind of quick because the show's getting a little long, as it has a tendency to do. Uh, but we'll kind of roll through these here a little bit. Golden Shoe number one, this coming from our buddy Bubby Dean, who was with us last night. He says, this is going to be Dog Nation Daily approved trolling of those lousy stinking gators. So it's the official account from uh, Utah saying Netflix series untold Kings of the Hill. This is what Utah put out last night upon having beaten Florida so yes golden shoe for utah a golden shoe for bubby dean who shared it with me our next one please uh mike the mad dog as far as tomorrow's game against the skyhawks go mike saying when the skyhawks finally come face to face with the dogs this saturday and you see a very frightened looking hawk right there mike always very funny well done by him how about our next one here just for a moment jeff doke shares this this is amazing artwork he says every year since 2018 i've made social media graphics for the georgia game of that week based on a series of buttons that the incomparable jack davis made for the 1981 and 82 seasons of course jack davis a famous artist that Georgia fans love and Jeff Doak's kind of homage to him there for the Tennessee Martin game on Saturday is actually really awesome Jeff's a very talented guy uh that artwork shows you that and it's a great way to get excited but the Tennessee Martin game on Saturday very well done by Jeff Doak and a terrific homage to a Jack Davis a wonderful artist that Georgia fans have loved for a long time how about our next one Speaking of Bubby Dean, with us last night, along with Bass and Dog, so many of the rest of you there as well um, at uh, Marlowe's in Brookhaven. You can see them hanging out, having a good time. Hashtag go for three and 23. Uh, that's going to get you straight to the front of the line. Good stuff from Bubby Dean and a Bass and Dog on hand with us last night, among many others. How about Braves and Dogs saying that the hurricane took out our power, so we decided to go to Fernandina Beach and the finished long drinks, buy one, get one here at the ABC. I think I'm going to be all right. You see the Cranberry. 
Greenberry, the long green traditional kind of buckled into the seatbelt right there. Uh, well, listen, Braves and dogs, y'all stay safe. Hope you enjoy the weekend. And it sounds like with a little bit of finished long green to keep you company there in Fernandina Beach. You're going to be able to do just that. Great place to be, by the way, especially with some finished long drink in tow. So uh, good stuff, Braves and dogs. Y'all stay safe, batting down the hatches. And of course, prayers to everyone who potentially finds themselves in harm's way from the weather here. How about our next one here for a moment? Seth Rhodes checking in. Speaking of our great sponsor, saying, I'm drinking a Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream after the Dog Nation Daily uh, Happy Hour. Uh, this is the picture after I was parked, of course. So uh, Seth uh, is saying, I'm still safe. I'm not I'm not taking pics while I'm driving. But you see Dog Nation Daily playing right there on his car radio, and he's got the Dr. Pepper uh, strawberries and cream zero sugar right there in his hand, celebrating our great folks from Dr. Pepper. Seth, that is wonderful stuff, and I appreciate you sharing that, and great to have you on hand at Marlowe's in Brookhaven last night there as well. How about our next one? Brian Barry shares this. It's the famous meme of the guy who's like looking around the tree, and he's rubbing his hands in excitement, and Brian says, this is Vandy watching the Gators last night. Vanderbilt hoping to get a second straight win over Florida here this season. Brian, I believe you might be right about that. That is in Indeed, a very funny golden shoe. Our next one goes the way of Joshua Campbell, who says, Sunbelt Billy is going to have a long year. Go dogs, hashtag gator hater, hashtag golden shoe. I bet the swamp lizards miss old Dan Mullen. Yes, indeed. Funny meme there of looking longingly at the picture of Dan Mullen. Uh, I think last night old Mullet would have probably done a little bit better than Sunbelt Billy did. Not an easy thing to say, but perhaps that's true. Joshua, either way, it's very funny and certainly very worthy of a golden shoe. Then uh, finally, our, our buddy Bodog shares this. And this is amazing to me. This is amazing. So uh, Bodog and then uh, a guy named Keep Chopping UGA also pointing this out, that you'll remember the event that started the Golden Shoe, the throw by Marco Wilson back at the end of the 2020 season. Guess what? Marco Wilson also wore number three. And last night, obviously, as we played for you earlier, the embarrassing <laughs> number two number threes in the field at the same time together for Florida. Marco Wilson also wore number three there as well. I think that is probably a pretty good sign for Georgia as it seeks to go for three in 23. Florida's now embarrassment around the number three. Y'all, that can only mean one thing. This is destined to be a great season for these dogs as Georgia seeks to go for three and Florida seeks to avoid the number three as much as it possibly can. That is a beautiful, beautiful way to close out our week and a wonderful chance to play the fight song and get ready for a very fun weekend. So y'all enjoy it. Thanks to everyone who gave us great golden shoe submissions. And I'll be sentimental here for a moment. We don't get very many of these particular Saturdays. Our season's the shortest of them all. Long off season, short regular season, the home games, small in number indeed. So tomorrow, for those of you lucky enough to be in Athens, I am so thankful I get a chance to take my entire family to a game. You know, this time of our lives, you know, my kids are busy. You know, everybody's got stuff going on. They don't always get to come with me each and every Saturday but tomorrow we're all going over to Athens together so for those of you sometimes for the, like the lesser opponents better chance to take young kids things like that soak it up make the most enjoy that tailgate go see some folks navigate around the bridge I guess figure out some way to do that but either way just make the most of a great day between the hedges and if you see me please come say hello because I'd love nothing more than to shake your hand and we'll celebrate being a two-time national champion with eyes on a third enjoy it lousy stinking gators bad night last night it's even worse 57 seven days from right now that is our gator hater countdown enjoy the game on saturday we'll see you back here monday for dog nation daily presented by kroger we will talk to you then